What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Big Freaking Health Coach Podcast. I'm Big Freaking Neil, and I'm joined, of course, as always, my buddy, my business partner, my brain twin, Health Coach Kane. That was an intro. Was that not oh, buddy. one of the best <laughs> intros we have ever had yeah. here on the Big Freaking Health Coach Podcast? Killing it. Just killing it, big guy. Killing it. Right out the gate. <laughs> killing it. <laughs> What's doing? going on? I'm doing well, man. What's going on with you? Oh, you know. Same old, same old. Yep. Just uh, training clients, changing lives, staying safe. Hell yeah. Those are three of my favorite things to do. Right? Who could ask for anything more? Who could <laughs> ask for more? Dude, I got to say right now, I am coming off of prep. I have never been this excited to train before. Yeah. Uh, as in train myself and work out. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be interconnected with gym owners enough to have access to, uh, empty facilities responsibly. Nice. So I can train how I want to train without putting a whole bunch of people at risk, which is cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and I've never, I've never been more excited to work out. It's pretty wild. It reminds me of like when I first started training and like you go to bed thinking about what you're going to do at the gym the next morning. <laughs> and it's like, it's like Christmas Eve. Like it, it's shoulders tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude. I, I haven't had that feeling for a while to be honest. And it's really cool to have it back. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, Good, man. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, man. I'm actually going so far as to do uh, two days, three days a week. Buddy. And I know, right? And That's then, uh, so basically, this is sort of how I've restructured my off-season nutrition as well. I'm doing uh, two days, three days a week. And on those days, those are sort of my high calorie, high carb days to accommodate mm -hmm. that. And then I'm keeping uh, calories quite a bit lower and carbs quite a bit lower on. Uh, so basically Monday, Wednesday, Friday, those are my high calorie, high carb days. And those are when I do my two a days. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'm just training one body part and doing a little bit of light cardio on those days. And that's sort of my medium days nutritionally mm -hmm. and then on my one rest day a week which is sunday when i do literally nothing um i keep my calories and my carbs pretty low i'm actually in a decent technically deficit on those on rest days mm -hmm. um and i've really been liking it i've really been liking that method of eating and uh so far so good i'm feeling really, really good and fueled up on those big days when I'm training big body parts and then coming back for another lift. Mm -hmm. And I'm also not feeling starving 
or anywhere close to where I was like on prep, for example, on my lower days, I'm feeling, feeling comfy. So. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, buddy. Dude. So that's calorie cycling. Yeah. And, uh, let's just do a whole bunch more on that today. I mean, we had nutrition topics planned, but I think especially right now with everyone's activity taking a huge dip Mm -hmm. and frankly, all the misinformation about carb cycling and intermittent fasting and other BS like that. Totally. Let's just dig in and talk about how you're cycling those calories, how to do it appropriately. Um, So my first question would be, you mentioned different calorie intakes per day. And those make sense to me. They seem to just trace your level of activity from one day to another. Sure. Do you look at your total weekly calories in that case versus your, just your daily calories? Yeah, exactly. So when I initially set up, um, planning, like how many total calories I'm going to eat on each of those days, like on my high day, my medium day, my low day, instead of just making up a number, what I did is I calculated, Basically, what's my what is my uh, estimated calorie range right now? If I were just going to average out and eat the same thing every day, mm-hmm. multiply that by seven, then you get a weekly total. So when you add up all of the once you start calorie cycling, you add up each of the individual days, you can line up, you can match up with that weekly total and ultimately have the same uh deficit surplus or lack thereof if you're trying to eat at maintenance. So absolutely. That's the perfect way to plan it out. Nice. 100%. And we have a bunch of episodes of calorie calculations and yeah. I think both of our blogs have calorie calculation articles. So you can find that information a lot of places. Absolutely. Um, just scroll back through the episodes in this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, but then do that math and multiply it by seven for your goal. Yeah. Neil just said, cool. That seems like a really straightforward approach to doing that. How do you decide your needs on a day-to-day basis as they fluctuate? Yeah. So there's no perfect equation. Uh, The best you can do is estimate, you know, like for myself, if I'm training, if I'm doing two full workouts in a day um, and I'm moving around on those days, um, otherwise, it's, you can sort of estimate that you're going to be quite a ways above where your maintenance would normally be. Um, or if you just laid on the couch all day. Um, but again, as long as your weekly total lines up with your goals and what you're trying to achieve, then being like spot on with the number is not super important in my opinion. Um, so for example, if you're trying to plan a high calorie day, and that high calorie day fits perfectly into your weekly total you're trying to hit. But on that given day, you didn't burn quite as many calories as you thought you did, but the, the weekly total is still the same. It's not that big a deal. You're going to be in a site slight surplus for the day, but probably a deficit on another day. And it'll ultimately even mm-hmm. out. So, so you can kind of feel it out, play it by ear. Yeah. And you'll probably get better at it week over week. Yes. You go through, you can dial it in week to week, pay attention to what your body 
weight is doing on the scale, um, what I would recommend is weighing yourself, plan a weigh in the morning of a high day, preferably after a low day. Um, so when you're fasted first thing in the morning, but before you start eating for your high day, weigh yourself because that's going to be your most accurate measurement of your body weight is coming off of a low day when you're, uh, you're a little bit more glycogen depleted. You don't have quite as much water mm. and, and food in your stomach. Um, that's going to give you a, a more accurate number week to week of what your body weight is actually doing. Cause you will probably see some fluctuation. If you're eating 4,000 calories on your high day and 2,500 on your low day, you're probably going to weigh a little, a, a pound or two more just from glycogen and water storage after the 4,000 calorie day. So like in the example of your lifting and eating plan, you yeah. your high days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you have an yeah. off day on Sunday. So you would want to measure and weigh yourself Monday morning. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's going to be your most accurate weight for the week. And uh, that doesn't mean you can't weigh yourself on other days. Like if, mm-hmm. It depends on the person. If your body weight fluctuating has a big impact on you psychologically. Yeah. Um, if you get on a scale and you're up a couple of pounds from your high day and that is a huge demotivator for you, then stay away from that. Just weigh yourself after the low day. Um, and even then understand that there's going to be varying amounts of food in your digestive tract um, how hydrated you are, how much water you're retaining. All of that is going to come into play with how much your body weight fluctuates day to day. So just keep that in mind. When you're varying your intake more, you will fluctuate more, um, especially initially while your body's getting with the program. Mm-hmm. So then walk me through just before we get into any macronutrient questions that I have um, yeah. for the average person, you're a bodybuilder, you're a big dude. Yeah. You're currently running this program and you just ran a similar one for your prep. Let's yeah. say you were an average Joe and you're probably built more like me instead of you. <laughs> and you're like, I don't know, it's for, for the sake of Matthew, 200 pounds, okay. you're five, nine, right? Okay. Um, what would a calorie cycling plan look like if I'm working out hypothetically, I'm doing total body workout Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Yeah. So in that case, if you're working out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, especially if you're doing full body workouts, I would say uh, plan your high days for Monday, Wednesday, Friday Mm -hmm. on your workout days. And I wouldn't overcomplicate it. I mean, you could even just do high days and low days. So on, on your workout days, you'll have, um, higher calorie, uh, days. And then on your days when you're not working out, you can just bring those calories down a bit. Um, a good place to start, I would say would be to vary your intake by, uh, like 20%. So for the sake of math, if 2000 calories is spitting distance of your maintenance, uh, which at five nine two hundred pounds, it that that would be pretty low. Uh, but just for sake of math, if two thousand calories is your maintenance, then 
varying that by 500 in either direction would be a good way to good place to start for sure. So over the course of, let's say the goal is weight loss because that's the yeah. most common goal. Over the yeah. course of the week, we'd be shooting for a 3,500 calorie deficit because that's Correct. one of fat, right? Correct. Which would be, if you did them all evenly, a 500 calorie deficit per day. So mm-hmm. if I were to eat at maintenance calories, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah, and then had a, like a 750 or a 700 calorie deficit the other days of the week, that would get me in the ballpark, right? Absolutely. Yeah. You're essentially, you're accounting for the extra calorie expenditure on your workout days. Mm -hmm. So technically eating at quote unquote maintenance, you're actually still maintaining that deficit most likely just because you're burning more calories and having a bigger deficit on your, on your off days is actually probably the correct deficit because you're not burning those calories on those days. Um, So to use our example here, if you're shooting for a 20% deficit, so 500 calorie deficit, that would mean that you're on average trying to consume 1500 calories of energy every day. Multiply that by seven, you're at 10.5. So 10,500 calories over the course of the week. So you can sort of manipulate that and play around with it. And as long as you're maintaining that 10,500 calorie weekly total, there is some wiggle room there too. Like, let's say you get, you feel better uh, both physically and mentally to have, you know, a, your 750 more calories on your workout days and then a bigger, a 200, 250 calories fewer on your off days. Um, that's okay. As long as you feel, you feel decent doing that. Um, if anything, you'll probably, it'll, it'll give you energy for the workouts and you'll feel better on your workout days and you won't feel as, uh, hungry and, uh, you won't have as many cravings on your off days because you allowed yourself three times a week to eat more food. Like that is also very psychologically beneficial. I think when you are in a deficit. Um, Nice. Yeah. Like I know for myself, if I, like I, like I touched on earlier, I don't feel like I'm in a huge deficit on my low days, even though I technically am in a deficit because I had that high day yesterday. So Mm -hmm. for example, yesterday was a high day and today is a low day. And I haven't had a ton of calories so far today, but energy wise, I feel great. And I feel it actually, after eating more food yesterday, it feels good to be a little bit lighter and not be eating quite as much food today. Um, and I don't, and I feel satiated. I don't feel starving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like your body just sort of gets used to that rhythm of food intake Yeah, and having the psychological freedom to, eat more on those high, uh, high calorie days mm-hmm. is also just, I think, extremely helpful for your brain. Yeah. Gives you a little, gives you a little break a few times a week. I like it. Yeah, man. So you, I'm sure that you as a bodybuilder have also broken this down to the macronutrient level. As yeah. Well. 
Yes. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? I'm sure you don't change your protein intake, but when it comes to carbs and fats, like which one do you manipulate more and how? Yeah. So protein and fats, I pretty much maintain throughout the week. Okay. Um, they're both actually going to be a little bit higher on my high days just because of how my diet is currently set up. Um, but not by much. They're staying sort of within a 20 to 30 gram range for protein and, and probably a 10 gram range for fat. Um, carbs. Go ahead. Is, is that, is that protein fluctuation? something you do because you're on two a day workouts or would you do that also if you were just doing one a days? I specifically am eating more protein because I am doing the two a days. Okay. So the muscle breakdown of doing two full training sessions in a day is pretty significant. Yeah. Um, which will actually increase your protein requirements for the day. So that is sort of the thought behind that. If you're not implementing that, um, I mean, I can still see some benefit to having protein a little bit higher, like to use your example of the average Joe, who's just increasing his calories on his workout days. Mm -hmm. Um, you, you definitely don't get me wrong. You want your protein pretty consistent throughout the week because you need that on your recovery days too, to actually repair the muscle. Um, but your expenditure will increase your protein needs a little bit on those days too. Okay. So it's, it's okay. I would say it's decent. Uh, a 20 to 30 gram range is, is reasonable for mm -hmm. protein. Um, I don't think you need to eat a hundred extra grams on your workout days or anything like anything astronomical. That'd be some work. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That's a lot more chicken. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, the main macronutrient that I manipulate to increase or decrease calories, uh, is my carbohydrates. And the primary reason for that is your carbohydrates, unless you are actively in ketosis, which most people are not, um, your carbohydrates are your body's preferred energy source. Um, it's what replenishes glycogen storage, which is the main thing that you're utilizing when you're weight training or doing anything that's high intensity. Mm -hmm. Um, so if the, if the whole idea is to fuel your workouts, having your carbs higher is ultimately what's going to be most helpful for that. Um, your body, just having your, your overall energy intake higher will help regardless because you're just burning more calories. Um, but if you, if you are advanced enough to get a little bit more nitpicky with it and get a little bit more specific, your carbs are going to fuel your workouts the best, I guess. If now at this point we're optimizing Right. Yeah. So if you're an average Joe nutrition, right. I mean, like, yes, you, you have to have your basic nutrition in place before you graduate yeah. to individualizing the, the intake for the day. So this is an advanced yeah. thing, right? Definitely. If you're, if you're an average Joe, uh, make sure you're hitting your protein requirements every single day and your calorie goal for that day. Those are the two biggest things. Um, and I like how you put that. If you sort of graduate to the next step beyond that and you want something more specific, more individualized, then carbohydrates are the way to go for sure. 
So the way that I do that is uh, I, depending on how many more calories I'm trying to consume on my high days, Mm -hmm. most of those calories will come from carbohydrates as opposed to protein and fats. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really simple. It, it, when you eat like a bodybuilder, it's really, really simple to do that because all that looks like is a larger serving of oats in the morning, a larger serving of rice throughout the day. You know, it's, it's really easy when you're, when your food groups are individual like that and really simple to bump up. separated on your plate. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to increase one macronutrient and not have the others come up with it. Yeah, I'm sure. So from a cooking standpoint, um, the amount of work, so there, there are two kinds of people, in my opinion, there are people like us generally who eat very segmented macronutrient plates. Yes. And there are people who like to make food that incorporates all three macronutrients into one cohesive dish, like casserole or a soup or something like that. Sure. Um, I imagine it is exponentially more difficult for type B Uh to manipulate a macronutrient specifically than it would be for us type A people who have it already separated on a plate. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Um, I mean, depending on what the dish is, I guess you could try to zero in one ingredient to increase, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it is going to be more complicated. Like, I mean, so like, let's say for the sake of my favorite cheat meal. Yeah. Pizza. Yeah. If I wanted to cut some carbs out of pizza, like what can I do? Just like switch the crust to a cauliflower crust. And that's about it. Right. Pretty much. I mean, you could, uh, thin crust thrust, uh, crust thickness, I guess would be a good way to do that. So if you're limiting carbohydrates on a day, a really thin crust, would be Mm -hmm. helpful. And then usually the other macros that are coming from the toppings are pretty much the same regardless. And then if you're increasing carbohydrates, more of like a deep dish style might be Mm -hmm. the way to go. Double dough pizza, something like that. Yeah. But see like that's so much more complicated and so much less precise than being able to just go, Oh, I'm going to have a cup less of rice with this meal. It is. And again, that kind of brings us back to, knowing where you're at and how far you've graduated in into the complexities of your nutrition program. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people don't need it to be that complicated. They can just, you know, vary their calorie intake and just keep an eye on their protein all week and be fine. Um, So it just depends on the person. It's a very individual thing, I think for sure. But that is a good, that is a good sort of progression. Like if you're shooting for a low carb day, cauliflower crust on your pizza, sort of like a low to moderate thin crust Mm -hmm. and then medium to high, uh, regular crust or deep dish crust would be much higher. So yeah, there's things you can do like that. Um, it's also, I think important to sort of balance that. So A good example of that to use myself again is I am very, very specific uh, with my macronutrients on Monday and Wednesday on those high days where um, I'm really not increasing fats at all. And I'm just increasing like bigger portion of rice, like I said, bigger portion of oats and everything's pretty individualized. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not really eating anything that's a lot of combined macronutrient ingredients. But then on Fridays, um, that's usually the night that my wife and I will get a pizza. And um, on on that day, I will sort of moderate my fat intake throughout the day to account for that, to account for the cheese and the pepperoni and whatever else. But at the end of the day, as long as my protein, I'm hitting my protein goal, um, I'm burning those calories because that's a really big lift day for me. It's a really big workout day. Um, then you're good. It's, it's all about balance. You also need to give yourself enough wiggle room with it that you can enjoy yourself on occasion and not stress about, Oh God, my, my fats were, were 10 grams higher this day than they were on Wednesday. And my carbs weren't high enough. Like at the end of the day, one day a week is not going to hurt you. Yeah. So yeah, man. Cool, man. What else would you want to add? Is there anything that you think, uh, just frequently asked questions, common mistakes, anything like that for someone who would want to try to start doing some calorie and carb cycling? Yeah, I would say the most common mistake that I've seen is just treating the high days as all out cheat days. Yeah. Cause you do see that a fair amount. Like there's a couple of reasons why that's detrimental. It's, it sort of creates an unhealthy relationship with food because you're binging for an entire day and then you're probably going to have to bring your calories way lower on the other days. And you're going to feel, you're going to feel bad after binging and then you're going to feel bad on the other days because you're not eating enough food. So keep that in mind. Um, it's also really easy to underestimate your caloric intake. If you're just eating whatever you want all day, you're going to end up in probably depending on the person you're, you're going to end up in probably a pretty sizable surplus, not maintenance or a hair above surplus like you want. So keep that in mind. Um, a high day is not a cheat day. Right. And monitoring your macros can actually be really helpful for people that have a tendency to do that. If you have to keep an eye on carbs as your main thing that you're increasing, that's Mm going to eliminate a lot of cheap foods because things like donuts, pizza, really calorie dense foods are usually high in fat. Yeah. So if you're trying to moderate your fat intake, keep it consistent and just increase carbs that only leaves so many options, you know, those are usually pretty clean carb sources if they don't have a lot of fat in them. So, uh, that, that'd be my biggest common mistake. Uh, I would say otherwise my biggest piece of advice is listen to your body. If you are force feeding on your high days, then they might be too high. And if you're starving on your low days, they're probably too low you want to find that happy medium where you're fueled up and you feel good on your high days. It scratches that itch. It satisfies some cravings that you might have throughout the week. And then on your low days, you're not ravenously hungry all day, staring at the clock, trying to figure out when you can time your next meal. Uh, And that's just a a trial and error process, right? I mean, that's not really a good hard and fast rule. Absolutely. You kind of have to play it by ear and make adjustments as you go. Absolutely. Again, it's such an indiv- individualized thing. There's no one size fits all. 
my high day would probably feel like a ton of food to some people and be way too much food for some people. Mm -hmm. Um, and then others, they probably need more food depending on their goals and, and their body composition and, and their body weight. So yeah, I think it all, it, it really just depends on the person and it will take some trial and error to dial in exactly what your body needs based on how you're feeling throughout the week. Cool. Here's a good question for you uh, yeah. related. So those people that are, uh, that do have limited access to equipment who are not as fortunate as I am and, or you with your awesome garage setup. Yeah. And they're, they're still working out, but let's say they went from a all out, uh, full body split in a gym to now they're doing body weight band exercises only. Mm -hmm. Um, what would you do? Let's say it's a client of yours. What would you do to their caloric intake? Would you decrease calories to, to account for that because their intensity is going to be lower? Um, just sort of another, another way of looking at the same concept, right? Yeah. So they're, they're, what I'm going through right now with some clients nutrition wise is there are yeah. two pieces to this. You have hit the nail right on the head with the intensity of their workouts is typically lower, even if the duration, the time under tension are longer for some yeah. of these, yeah. because the load is less, the intensity overall is down. Sure. And in those cases, I am bringing their calories down a little bit to accommodate that. Um, Makes sense. especially if they're not able to increase the frequency that they're working out, if they can work out one and a half to two times as much, I'll leave it alone because yeah. the overall added activity will probably even out for the intensity roughly. Yeah. The other thing is typically as much as 20 to 30% of a person's daily caloric expenditure typically comes from non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So like walking to the water cooler and back, taking the stairs once in a while, yeah. walking to and from the elevator, even with so many people working from home, that's come down to pretty much zero. Mm -hmm. So I, I've had several clients who've been like, Hey, I'm in my calorie deficit and I'm gaining weight. What's happening. And the answer is you're not actually in a calorie deficit. Yeah. And, you can cite all the hormone research you want, but none of them will tell you that you can create something from nothing. So if you're actually in a deficit, you can't create more fat mass. Yeah. To come from somewhere. If so it is, even if it is hormonal, it's still uh, thermogenesis due to hormone fluctuations, right? Yes. The rule so still applies. Like insulin sensitivity, poor nutrient partitioning, you typically accumulate fat faster than the average person. Mm -hmm. You have to be eating enough to create it. Yes. So that's that's all something that has has been a huge adjustment and varies greatly from one person to another because we're working so much more closer to a person's resting metabolic rate, which is highly individualized and depends on a lot of hormone ratios and nutrient partitioning. So there's going to be a lot more trial and error because none of us have the lab equipment at home to really dial in your numbers accurately. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, yes, I bring it down for the lack of intensity. And then I also bring it down for the lack of just general movement in somebody's mm -hmm. life. I mean, and like I have grown men over 200 pounds eating like 13 to 1400 calories right now. And it's like a modest deficit for them. 
Yeah. Because of the lack of activity. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're pretty close to your BMR if you're sitting literally all day long and your only non-exercise energy expenditure is like getting up to take a leak, you know, that's that's not much. It's really not much. Eight steps to your bathroom and back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The BMR, your, your basal metabolic rate is literally the calories that it takes to keep your heart pumping and your lungs breathing. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I mean, the, the difference between that and arresting for all the listeners difference between that and arresting metabolic rate, resting metabolic rate typically includes your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis mm-hmm. and your uh, T. So your thermo thermogenic effect of eating. So like digestion sure. things of that nature. Sure. And uh, exercise activity is separate from that because it's the most malleable. You can, you can influence the, it the most. Yeah. Um, so I would say more than ever, it makes sense for people to implement um, some type of calorie or carb cycling program, because if they are working out at home, which hopefully, hopefully they are, hopefully, yeah, then they can account for some greater caloric expenditure um, and have a few extra calories on those days. But then on the days when they're literally sitting at their desk all day, then that 13, 1400 calorie day that you're talking about might be appropriate for them. So, yeah. So it, it takes a little bit of math and a lot of adjustment and you really got to get good at checking in on yourself and seeing how you feel. Are you mentally with it? Like, are you foggy in the head? Are you acute? Like figure out how you're feeling your energy levels and make the appropriate adjustments, but follow Neil's calorie cycling for now, if you have some solid foundations in place, this will be one of the things you can use to add another notch uh, of control over yeah. how your energy expenditure is working. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, at least anecdotal evidence out there too that implementing some type of calorie slash carb cycling diet can be really beneficial for uh, just overall body composition. Yeah, it's one of the best and only ways that I've ever seen evidenced to actually uh, recomp. So maintain your overall body weight and sort of replace fat mass with with muscle mass. Um, not a perfect cut and dry process for sure. Yeah, but it's it is one of the only ways that I've seen actually proven to help with that. It's the most effective way, I would say for sure. Um, You can do it with steady calorie intake. It takes for freaking ever. And it's it's less efficient, honestly. Yeah. Um, That's not to say that any recomp will go quickly because any recomp takes longer than picking one goal to begin Mm -hmm. with. But I mean, why not? Like if you're eating for a lifestyle, you're trying to get some habits in place and most people's goal is to build muscle and burn fat at the same time, Mm. have some patience, do it the right way. And this is, this is the best way to do that. To use myself as an example, your what's called the post show rebound, I think is also a perfect time to utilize this because your body weight is going to come up pretty significantly from your show weight, just because you're, you were dehydrated. So you're going to get a rebound effect from that. And depending on what else you were doing, going into your show, 
your body is going to bounce pretty hard in the other direction when you start implementing more calories and, and more of normal quote unquote, normal people foods into your diet. Mm -hmm. So, and if you're doing things like cutting sodium right before all of that is going to have an adverse rebound effect once you reintroduce all of that to your system. Um, so your body weight is going to come up regardless faster than you're used to. I can say anecdotally for myself, since implementing this, uh, calorie cycling way of eating, I, despite being up a couple of pounds, uh, the last couple of weeks, um, I actually look better than I did the week after the show. So like more vascular, um, holding less water, less water retention for sure. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. Like anecdotally, I can say that it has helped, uh, sort of mitigate the watery rebound effect that I'd normally have too. Yeah. So there's definitely something to it for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch of stuff that's deemed as bro science that is absolutely true. There just yeah. isn't cut and dry scientific research or a scientific study that, that proves the rule. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that's mostly it, it, even in the context of what we were just talking about. Uh, if you look at like just basal metabolic rate and things of that nature, yeah. if you get into the weeds, these studies pick very specific things to focus on. So like, sure. If, if you have low activity and you eat close to your basal metabolic rate, you'll lose weight. Yeah. You can do a study that tries to highlight hormone function when you have very little food in your system or highly fluctuating amounts of food in your system. And you can draw all kinds of ridiculous conclusions, but until you apply it to an individual, it's all right. speculative. Right. So like, keep that stuff in mind, stick to the basics and don't psych yourself out by getting into the weeds of some of this stuff. Cause that's the other thing is we're giving you some pretty cut and dry, basic nutrition advice that works but it's easy to go down a YouTube hole and psych yourself out of it. Oh yeah. That's a, the whole concept of anecdotal versus scientific evidence. Uh, and just like bro quote unquote, bro science versus, uh, evidence-based research mm -hmm. is hugely fascinating to me as yeah. a generally scientific minded trainer. Who's also a bodybuilder. That's, there's, it's really, really interesting to me. Uh, guys, if you are a competitor or somebody who's just interested in bodybuilding and, and those differences and distinguishing them, I actually just started another podcast, shameless plug. Well, if you uh, were going to do it, I was gonna, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is called size, strength and bro science. Uh, I have one episode out so far at the time of this recording. So it's available everywhere, Spotify, Apple podcasts, all the usual suspects. So go out and check it out. If that interests you, um, I'll be having a lot of guests on that podcast in particularly week in particular week to week. So, um, a lot of competitors, both powerlifters and bodybuilders that I've already lined up to appear on the podcast. So yeah, should be good. Should be, should be some good conversations. So check it out if you'd like. Definitely check it out. hundred percent. Definitely check because it out. Because the, the bro science and evidence-based shouldn't be the dichotomy that people think it is. They should overlap a ton and they do. 
They do. Uh, especially in training applications. And I love that Neil's going to be digging into that stuff. So I'm going to be listening. <laughs> so. I mean, that's, that's all that really matters to me, buddy. Let's <laughs> What do you think? Right, Anything else? I that think much wrap it up. I think that pretty much wraps up a, a really good comprehensive guide to uh, calorie cycling. And if you're a little bit more advanced, carb cycling ultimately. So and as as always, if you have further questions about that or you want a little bit more specific advice on it, hit either one of us up on, on Instagram in our do. DMs, and we are happy to help you out. Um, if you are a competitor who wants to do that kind of thing, you are a bodybuilder, definitely reach out to Neil instead of me. If you are a performance athlete or average Joe, uh, I'm probably more up your alley. Either one of us can work with, with general population. So yeah. you don't have to be picky there. Yeah, exactly. If you like beards go with Neil. He has an amazing beard. I know you can't see it on a podcast, but good God, that thing is fantastic. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I've never seen you attempt one, so yours might be even better. Uh, no, it won't be. <laughs> <laughs> I get uh, it. So you know, whenever Christian Bale grows out his facial hair and it's like uh, really thin and stringy looking and like gross. Yeah, that's my beard. <laughs> Once again, uh, comparing yourself to Batman on the down low. <laughs> I mean, I like to think Batman compares himself to me, but <laughs> he probably does. Let's be real. <laughs> Anywho, uh, you guys, this has been the big freaking health coach podcast. Please hit us yeah. up on Instagram, like share, uh, this podcast with everybody, you know, the more listeners we have, the more of your questions we can answer. And we love doing that. So yeah, hit us up. And uh, we will check you guys out again next week for even more super fun topics. Heck yeah. See you guys next week. Take it easy, guys. Bye.